Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Democracy-ish, a podcast about the 2020 election. I'm one of your hosts, Danielle Moody-Mills. And I'm Torre. We have a debate coming up, another two-day spectacular event (laughs) in political theater. Torre, who's out? Because this is Survivor. (laughs) Yes, Eric Swalwell dropped out. Michael Bennett is not on the stage. John Delaney is not on the stage. Mm-hmm. John Hickenlooper, sadly from Colorado, is not on the stage. Tim Ryan, Sandra Bullock will not be on the stage. Did I get that right? Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Steve Bullock. Oh, right. Although she could run. She's not on the stage. She would also she could also <laughs> talk about her black son, like she, de Blasio. Bill de, Bill de Blasio will not be on the stage talking about his black children. Oh. Seth Moulton, I forgot that he was in the race even. And I don't know her. Some people, some people I didn't even I never knew that Wayne Messer or Mike Gravel or Joe Sestak were even in the race. So how do they have money to print buttons? I don't know. It's probably their family. I, Cafe Press. I, I, I did. I've never even heard of these people, and they're running for president. Clearly, they're not doing a good enough job. No. Tom Steyer is not on the stage because he has not been in the race long enough to pull. He might be in the next, but who knows. Who's in? Who's in? Okay. We have our heavyweights that are still in the race. We have Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, everyone's favorite mystic, Marianne Williamson, (laughs) and Andrew Yang, who wants to give everyone $1,000. A month. I'll take it. I'm not mad. Um, you weren't saying that Yang and Williamson and Buttigieg were heavyweights, right? That was just a. I, I was literally just talking yes. overarching. Yes. Right. People whose names we know. They're still in the race. Correct. Wow. So, what do you want to see 
in this debate? What do, what do they need to do? Well, I was hoping that Marianne Williamson would start us out by burning sage, <laughs> maybe doing a interpretive modern dance about democracy and Trump. Talk about calling some other world leader and say, girlfriend, girlfriend you, are you, are, so you are so on. You are so on. I'm hoping for more of that energy. Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, no. What do I want to see? I, I want to see some real solid questions. I don't know if they're going to come from the folks at CNN, but I would like some real solid questions about people's records, about the crime bill, about climate change, about, um, you know, reparations. Like, I want real serious answers. I don't know if these debates are set up for me to get that, Mm. but... That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I mean, I always notice how quickly they go to the question of immigration. Yes. Which shows the impact that the Republican Party has had on the debate. Because Mm -hmm. that is their big issue, even though immigration has been at a net negative for well over a decade. Mm -hmm. The border is not overrun, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Immigration is not an issue that is really affecting most Americans' lives, okay? Mm -hmm. Climate change is the war on drugs is right the criminal justice system is the economy is affecting everybody's life in america and yet we always want to start with immigration because of the way that the republicans have pushed that issue to the center which bothers me to no end so i want to see you said the right questions i want to see the right ideas and i want to see them prioritized in a way that actually is the way that americans are being affected by their ideas. But I want to see, like you, a discussion of ideas over theater. Right? Yes. So much of this is about alpha posturing. Yes. And I don't want us to get sucked down into that. I want to see real progressive talk. I want to see people talk about criminal justice, mm-hmm. climate change. Uh, we do have to talk about immigration. As I said, the Republicans have forced that onto the stage. But talk about it from a truly progressive point of view, right? When Kamala Harris talks about DACA, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm feeling you, right? She knows about sanctuary cities. She's from California. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling you. I want to see people talk about progressivism and not try to pretend that there's somebody for everybody. Because I don't need somebody for everybody. I need a progressive. I, you know, and I'll say what I don't want to see. What I don't want to see is Joe Biden's continual pander mm. to the white male Trump voter. What I don't want to see is more conversations about Donald Trump. He is obviously the elephant, pun intended, in the room. <laughs> he is obviously that. But I want to hear, to your point, about people's policy ideas, about what they're going to offer. Right. The one question, however, about Trump that I would welcome if the moderators were to ask this would be, if you become president of the United States, will you see to it that Donald Trump is prosecuted for his crimes? Mm. Now that Mm. is a question that I do want to know the answer to. Because if you were just going to become president and say, well, you know, it is what it is and do kind of what Obama did with George W. Bush and be like, well, you know, we'll just kind of, I don't really want to divide the country. No, I actually want you to do your job. So that is a a Trump question that I I would want to hear. I would love to hear that question. And like you said, that is a meaty and meaningful question Mm -hmm. and a truly progressive question. Mm -hmm. Giving people the the avenue to just bash him in the head again and say he's the real problem, like... Yes, I know. We all agree. Like, let's get to ideas. Let's get to plans. Let's get down to 
actually talking about what's going to happen. I, I I hope that we don't get a lot of questions about what are you going to do on day one because you know what? Who knows? Nobody knows. Obama would have never said, I'm going to have to save the banks. That's what I'm going to do on day yeah. one. Nobody's going to know. We might be at war with some... We, with Trump, in the, we may be at war with some country. I'm going to be pulling we our troops... We may be in a of, civil war. Well, we so, may be in a civil war. I'm going to pull my troops out of Paris because we shouldn't have invaded France in the first place. Like, you have no idea. So many of the questions are just not really dealing with reality. As these deeply studied political people understand it, I do want to see how Kamala responds hmm. to being a almost front runner, mm-hmm. right? Because she went into the first set of debates. That's an underdog. Back in the pack, mm-hmm. right? One of the folks, right, attacked Joe Biden. Smart political move. Joe Biden, for some reason, didn't see it coming. I don't know how you didn't see that coming a mile away. But Joe Biden was the smart person to attack, right? The first night, we saw a bunch of people beating up on Beto, mm-hmm. right? Which made sense to me because he's sort of like the media pretty boy. We can't attack Elizabeth Warren, right? We can't attack our grandmother, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? But but we can attack the pretty boy. We don't like him, right? right. He's the one who all the girls said they like, so we don't like him. Um, I understood that. And now Kamala is surging. So will people say... We can attack her. We should attack her. We should say something that hurts her, that doesn't let her get. And then how does she respond? I think about like when a new ball player comes into the league Mm -hmm. and they got special skills. They got young heat. They're hitting home runs or they're dunking on everybody because the league is not sure. How do they do their thing? And then about midseason, the scouts and the coaches start to say, you know what? He always goes to the right. He likes, yeah. he likes the fastball low in mm-hmm. a way. Don't give him that. And then you see how great the player truly is. Can he adjust to the league adjusting to him? Can Kamala adjust to the debate stage adjusting to her being a big dog? I think that this is going to have a lot to do with how they line them up this time. Mm. I think it's going to be really, yes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who Biden is going to be on the stage with. Right. And I say this and not Kamala because he's the one to break down. Right. We know this is his third time at the race. Mm-hmm. So we know that he's going to fizzle out. He's already dropped. He dropped 10 points right. Right. after the last debate. I still think that he's the person to attack. I will be interested to see how prepared he is this time, being as how he thought he didn't do anything wrong the last time. And I'm like, sir, do you play back the video? Did you see the moment where you got bitch slapped on the stage and you looked embarrassed? Really? Like, did you you play it back? Because I played it back at least three, four times. (laughs) If I could have made it a ringtone, I would have. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But the reality is, is that I don't think that we, I hope that as Democrats, we don't get back into the nasty space Mm. that we saw the Republicans occupy in their, um, you know, in in their moment. I don't want to see us attack each other unless it's on ideas or lack thereof. So when people called out Pete Buttigieg on his handling of the shooting in South Bend. And he said, you know what? And he came right out because I'm not going to give you anywhere to go. I messed up, right? And I apologize for that and I am learning. Great. He gave folks nowhere to go. So if you keep attacking him on something that he said that he knowingly messed up on, you kind of look like a jerk, right? right? Right. 
Beto, we can attack because the man, if I hear one more story of who he has talked to, <laughs> right? Well, I was in, I was on this slow walk on this bridge. I think it's called whatever. And I was talking to this man and he said, and I'm like, sir, I don't want a bedtime story. No. I actually would like to know what kind of policy ideas you were offering other than standing on tables and shouting, Captain, oh my captain. It's not <laughs> Dead Poet He's Society. So dead poet He's society. so Dead Poet I Society. I thought of that until you just said oh, that. Oh, dear it's God. So real. It's real. It's his favorite he movie. Really I is. bet you a he, thousand he percent. He really is Dead Poet Society. He is. So I, him, you can attack. You can also attack Bernie Sanders because his answer for everything is democratic socialism. Right. What color do you like? What's your favorite color? <laughs> democratic, democratic socialism. Or, or he'll just reject the question. Sir, what time is it? Democratic, democratic socialism. <laughs> Man, do you own a comb? I marched with King. I marched with King. <laughs> Like it's, like it's the it's, hair was a little more together in the first debate. Right? You know what? I the... can hair shame him because I'm a black woman with locks, <laughs> who gets hair shamed all the damn time. Brother, no, get a comb. But he, it always, it was part of the shtick that I'm so brilliant that I don't need I, I don't to. have time. It's I have to mess with my hair. What cologne is that? Oh, it's privilege. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that smell is. Um, wow. You know, is it is it anti-democratic to say, I would like to see the standards for what it takes to get on the stage raised? I think yeah. the standard is too, too low. low. Yeah. Marion Williamson, I'm sorry, you don't belong on the stage. No. Pete Buttigieg is very intelligent. I like the way he presents himself. Yeah. He does not belong on the stage at this point. You are, and there are several other people who are just gumming up the works. Mm -hmm. I think there's about five or six candidates who really belong on the stage. I think that's right. And I would like to see them talk, let the adults talk, let the people who have a real following mm -hmm. talk, and move the other folks to, I don't know, the kitty table? We shouldn't be at two nights debates no. right now um and i think that if you are not and because i've been thinking about this because they they what did they raise it from one percent to two percent right yeah. that's what the, that's what the dnc did from one percent to two percent and i'm like if you are not at five six seven eight percent by now i'm not going to say double digits because i think that that that's is that's it's that's a lot but if you are not between five and eight percent right now Get the go home. I mean, is there really any There's, chance for someone who's currently at two or three to catch fire and join? Like, do you know who I'm really surprised hasn't caught fire? Cory Booker. I am actually <sighs> really surprised at the fact that Cory Booker, in some polls too, he's at zero percent. Yeah. Um. So. I'm very surprised by that. He's smart. He's smart. I like him. He he is a great orator. Yes. He has great presence. Yes. I'm really surprised He's got that a, a really Pete... good life story. In great terms of where story. He, comes from. he lives with the people. With the people. He not, loves to not, tell us all yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he doesn't see Alaska from his house, but he definitely hears gunshots on a right, regular basis. Right. Like that's his calling card. Hey, if you're in a fire, he might come save you. I think he has. He, <laughs> he saved you from He's, a fire? I think he has. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren has a plan for how to has save it, you. Right. Corey's coming in Corey through the window. Corey actually has a ladder that he travels with. <laughs> so I I just, I'm, I'm curious as to why he hasn't, why he hasn't made any moves. So he's somebody, again, and I said this, you know, I don't even know if he has a shining moment 
that it's enough to get him he's two, very, five, six, seven percent. He's a very positive person, right? Yeah. So to see, I don't see him making an attack because he seems always to be wanting to spread positivity. Adding to my, adding to the confusion that we're talking about, let's say it. This is the sort of black person who is typically palatable to white people. Correct. Right. Yes. Right. When Tucker Carlson said he seems white or whatever he said, he said it in a totally racist way. But I understand the gist in terms of this is sort of white man, black man who white people usually will. Oh, Mm -hmm. I understand him. I like him. I Mm -hmm. get him. He's not going to make me feel like I'm racist. Right. Right. So why it's not catching fire? I don't quite know. I don't know. Do you think it's because he's not married? Because yeah, I've, I've honestly been... Rosario Dawson. Right, but I mean, you know... If Do you you're, think that you have to be married? I kind of think that Americans want you to be married. I think that the idea of a single black man in the White House is terrifying. I wonder. I and I, wa- I just wonder how much it plays. I, mean, I wonder how much it plays. I, 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 I don't feel any... From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Flirty vibe from him, any sexual vibe. Like, I, I can't imagine that he would take that opportunity to I, I, you know, I don't just know. Just be I, running a pose yeah, through the window. Like, <laughs> Girlfriend, you Girl, are so on. Lincoln bedroom is on. <laughs> no. Look, does the way that we do the debates actually help us choose the best president for the country? I think it helps us choose who we like. I do think that in in some ways, presence actually matters. Okay. How you present, how you show up. Um, the idea of being presidential, and I use like real air quotes with that, 
I think that people like to see that. They like to see how you work the camera, how you can work a stage. So in some aspects, I do think that it, I do think that it matters. The amount of time that people get to speak in mm. the 30 seconds, 30 seconds. To, answer, to answer really deep questions. Explain your whole life. Five seconds. Five seconds. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and you get a half a second follow up. What? Right, 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 right. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> I think that that's crazy, right? Yes. That's when we actually turn politics into a sport and it's not a match, no. right? Um, that I, I don't think that you necessarily learn a lot about people, but I think that you can see how they how they handle themselves. Um, I also, you know, one of the things that shined for me with Kamala in the first debate, aside from um, her going after Biden, was her um, deciding that I'm finishing my thought. I don't care if Chuck Todd, Rachel Maddow, Savannah, Gunthrie is going to say your time is up or your time is up, your time. She's like, I'm finished. She was the only one that actually didn't get rattled when the moderator would say you're running, you know, your time is up. And she's like, no, I'm going to actually keep talking. it's always a thing in the debates. I feel like they're coached, right, to like when the moderator says your time is up, don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. But the the rest rest of them have. I mean, Joe Biden didn't get a full thought out. He he would stop himself before Mm. the moderator. And I was like, oh, that's because you're not prepared. There's a theatrical aspect to all of this that really bothers me that Mm -hmm. you want to appear alpha right and appear strong and appear unflustered when somebody says look if god forbid if beta were to become president uh bill de president of what uh, well Um, you know of of the imaginary united states yeah uh, bill de blasio would not run into the oval office and be like you didn't blah 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 no like this these sort of challenges will never happen this sort of explain yourself in 30 seconds allows less intelligent people mm-hmm. to slide through. Someone like Trump can hide in a situation mm-hmm. like that where a truly intelligent him. person is not given a chance to explain their idea. And is the president actually constrained to 30 and 20 and 10 second answers in real life? No. No. If you had a system where we had a one-on-one, right, where we do these town halls, right, let mm-hmm. voters and moderators and ask questions ask questions yeah. and you can respond for three four five minutes so we get to know you and your ideas then we are seeing the candidates actually show us who they are but standing on a stage it, it is like it reminds me of um remember in invisible man they had the battle royale mm-hmm, right and mm-hmm. we're gonna blindfold you boys <laughs> right we're gonna put you in a ring and you're gonna punch each other out and we'll see who's the last one standing like and it's like that and it doesn't actually get us to knowing really what you would do. I mean, like a question like uh, there are you have just been told that there are bombs in the air coming from China headed towards San Francisco. What are you going to do? 30 seconds. What are you? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like if it wasn't 30 seconds, then we could have an actual conversation. But like what you know, what are you going to do about these real issues like that? I would appreciate. I kind of think that. It's it's to see also that time frame, that block, it's to see how witty and how quick on their feet they are, right? This is we are living in the age of Twitter. 140, 280 characters, like that's what we care about. So the 30-second soundbite is what sticks with people. And I think that you do want your president to be able to pivot 
in ways sure. to be nimble. Yeah. And I think maybe that, but the questions that they ask, like, how are you going to solve mm. climate change? Mm. Go, 30 seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Uh, climate change is real. Next, <laughs> you know, like, what do you do with you that? To punch rhetorically, punch someone else in the face, which is not what we need in a president. No. So, <clears throat> is the person who's best suited to beat Trump the person who will be best to run the country? Oh, that's a good question, Torre. That is a good question. I don't know. Mm. I think that Trump needs to be beaten in so many ways, physically. But he need I mean, switch, switch, <laughs> go pick six Belt. of them. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the person that is going to beat Trump is going to have to present in a very alpha way, is going to have to be that punch you in the face, retort, that pushback, that no-nonsense type of person. Do I want that same demeanor to then be running the country? No. Right. But I want somebody who can flip that switch, right? But, but we don't need our version of Trump right? either in the White House or on the trail, right? And I don't think we need to meet fire with fire. I am not always of the Michelle Obama camp when they go low, we go high. But No, I'm of the Eric Holder you kick them. <laughs> like, I'm of the Eric Holder but camp. We, you know, we can nominate intelligent, classy, yes. worldly, experienced people, perhaps Kamala or Elizabeth Warren, who may or may, I think Kamala would be great at rhetorically whipping him. Yes. Will Elizabeth Warren be like that? I don't know. She seems feisty and to want to, you know, whip something at him. But I don't know that that's really her bag. But I don't need that from her. I want somebody who is there for progressives saying, I am your candidate. I am not here to win over Trump voters. I'm not here to punch him in the face to show you how tough I am. I'm going to... Because the first thing that the next president's going to have to do is restore a sense of civility mm. to the country, restore a sense of grandeur to the office, right? And that is if such a been, big lift. If you've been doing the last 18 months of punching Trump mm -hmm. in the face, right? Mm -hmm. Which like, like Marco Rubio got into and he was like, this is not me and it's not helping, mm -hmm. but it's really not me. If you've been doing that, how are you going to then pivot to now I'm in the White House and I'm going to be civil? I do think that we need to restore one faith in our government and a level of prestige to the presidency that has just been denigrated, yes. every, I mean, every single day that Trump sits in that Oval Office. I do believe, though, that you want, I, I want somebody that can do both, right? Mm. I want somebody who is gonna hold a Mohammed bin Salam accountable mm. for killing an American journalist, yeah. right? So is going to stare him down and say, not on our watch. Yeah. Somebody that is going to hold a Kim Jong-un responsible for killing, you know, his his half-brother yeah. and like his envoy to the U.S. after a bad meeting. Like I want somebody who's going to be able to command that presence. Sure. 
I also believe that I don't, I honestly, I don't know if the next president is going to be able to restore civility in the United States. I think that we are coming, walking through the fire of these very dark ages that yeah. we are in. Yeah. And I think that it may be the president after the fact that is going to be able to do that. I think that what we, what the next president is up against is going to be tremendous. And I do, th and I have said this many times, and people tell me, you know, don't say that. I think that it was, it will get violent. I am mm. very concerned for the next president of the United States because these militia people, these white nationalists that have been emboldened by Trump, whether or not Trump will leave the White House, as Michael Cohen, his you know personal attorney, told us. I don't know if he will leave if he is not uh, is not elected. There's no mechanism to right? force him to leave. There isn't. And we've also set up a system in which Donald Trump has tested time and time again. So I think that the next president has a lot. There's going to be a lot on their plate. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do kumbaya right after their inauguration. They may not be able to do it then. I'm interested and concerned about the amount of violence that could arise mm -hmm. in the wake of a Trump loss. I don't expect progressive violence, no. God forbid, if he were to win. I think we would be depressed and angry and mm -hmm. thinking about moving out of the country, but I don't see the progressive way as taking guns, mm -hmm. maybe march in the streets. Maybe march in the streets, but yeah. Not the, but there, there is a right-wing fringe, and I'm talking about maybe 1%, not all right-wingers, mm -hmm. not all deplorables, but like a 1% fringe that has been violent, mm -hmm. that could continue to be violent. Quite frightening. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not sure what that's going to come to. That, to me, is actually a good debate question. Mm. What, in the face of a polarized political climate where we have seen militias take over state parks, take over agencies in Oregon, in places around the country, in Washington, where we have seen a rise in white nationalist groups according to the Southern Poverty Law Center since 2016. These are very real things where we've seen marches take place in Charlottesville with tiki torches and the shouting down and the anti-Semitism and the rise of racism and xenophobia and all of these things. If it turns out that you win and it is contested and it becomes violent, what do you do? That to me is a real, that's a, that's a, that's real, a real question, question that we need to stop pretending like it's impossible that it will happen, right. that it could happen when literally they have been dress rehearsing right. the second civil war over the past two and a half years. Right, right. And if he refuses to leave, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm not that's, sure. I'm not sure what we would do as a nation mm, mm, with mm, any mm. of this happening, mm -hmm. right? And the violence that we've seen that you just ran through has been incredibly frightening, disheartening, numbing, hurtful. And people want to say, well, this is the way America has always been, and it is. Sure. But to see this now in, you know, just in the last few years and even this, it's, my wife has wanted to leave. She's mm. been like, you know, since the day of the election, she's mm -hmm. been like, let's move to another country. 
And I've consistently been like, I'm not leaving. I'm not letting these fools chase me out of my country. Mm-hmm. I'm not letting anybody push me off of my ledge. And beside, if your friend, I say this to her, if your friend was sick, mm-hmm. would you leave her or would you run to her? And my wife especially is the best friend you could ever mm. imagine. She would be running to her friend to help her. Well, I'm like, well, America is sick. Right? Sick. And we need to be there for her. And what would America look like if a million truly progressive, thoughtful people left, right? So then it becomes harder and harder for progressives to win in future elections. And America starts to go down some right-wing... And we look back at America in 20 years and like, shit, we left and that happened. And what about the people that can't leave? Well, right. That I mean, and and that becomes something that's very real. These are real. These are real questions. We are living in very consequential times, and I think that to pretend that violence cannot occur, I think to pretend that Trump, oh well, he'll have to leave the White House. Really? No, 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 not not really. He just made a joke about, oh, maybe I'll be in there for fourteen years. But let's just let's just think about this. Donald Trump, he loses the election. He decides to contest it. He then wants to sue. He takes it to the Supreme Court, which he has stacked. Whoa. Then he decides in that way to steal the election, right? Let's go back to 2000. Right. And let's let's have the Supreme Court decide who's going to be the president of the United States. What are you doing day by day when you are the elected president and he's saying, I'm not leaving? Like, wh- wh- how long? And then we have to wait for the Supreme Court? To, like, wh- how do you handle that? What do you do? And you have... Uh, you know, the Proud Boys marching. Yep. And you have the other maniacs marching. What do you do? These, th- to me, those are critical questions that I need to know in the field of 2008, people running for president, who is going to be most capable to deal with the well, reality that is this? I'll, I'll tell you who would be most capable of dealing with that reality is Kamala. Right. Mm. Because she's been dealing with Mm. the criminal justice system, the prosecutors, the police. Right. The prosecutor is the top cop in that town, in that city, in that state, whatever. She's been dealing with that. So and she's tough and she's no nonsense. She would have no problem sending the cops and say, break that up, get him out, arrest his ass, blah, 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 whatever needs to happen. I mean, I, think I, love you're right. I love Elizabeth Warren, but that's not the area of governance that she's used to. Mm-hmm. So she may, you know, even Joe Biden, that's not the area. No, that Joe he's Biden used is going to hold Joe Biden is going to want to hold a beer summit and say he's you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he's going to do. Donald Trump doesn't decide to leave. He'll bring his stuff and he'll say, well, I'll sleep Let's in this bedroom. Let's figure it out. And like, we'll talk it through. Right. Because I don't want to seem, you know, too pushy. Like, that's Joe you, Biden. You know, when I think about the. The, um, revelations recently. We always knew that there were racist police, but mm-hmm. recently we've seen, you know, in Philadelphia with something like 21 uh, cops. 72. Excuse me, 72 cops. Removed from duty. You know, sending out racist mm-hmm. messages. So if the Proud Boys and mm-hmm. whoever else start to get violent, can we trust the cops? The cops? Oh, dear God. No. No. So no. then where are we? Uh, we are in the, the depths of Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower. That's where we are. We are in the depths of our worst, uh, what is it, worst sci-fi 
dystopian. Dystopian America. That's where we are. And the idea that we, like, people say, Danielle, you're like chicken little, the sky is falling. No, and not. I'm like, no, this actually this is, real. is real. It's re- it's real and it can happen. The, the other thing that the next president is going to have to do, and this is going to be tricky, is they're going to have to restore faith in media. Because Ugh. if you have a country that 50% don't believe in media, how do you get information to them? And if you had, let's say, a violent uprising going on in, let's say, San Jose, and the police are trying to quell it, and CNN is reporting on it, and half the country goes, well, we know we can't believe CNN, so what's the real story? These nice people were attacked by these cops. Well, then you're lost. Then you have nothing. I mean, we already have nothing in terms of we have half the country is believing that the entertainment news is real news mm-hmm. and the real news is and I mean, you know, and part of it is just this national thing where we go CNN, MSNBC, Fox, those three entities are not equivalent. That would be like saying Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Fox is not doing the same thing as CNN and MSNBC. And Fox is just the least of it. When you go into the land of Mark Levin and uh, Rush Limbaugh and some of the other shouters on the right, you're getting into real, like, fact-free land, right? And there are millions of Americans who take that as gospel and reject anything that comes from the New York Times because they have been told by right-wing media over and over and over for decades and they're prior pri- to Trump. Prior to Trump. You cannot trust anything that the traditional media tells you. And they do this as a marketing plan. It's basically like Pepsi saying, don't drink Coke. We're but better. But you know what? The media also has a responsibility that they've kind of shirked for the past several years, which is to tell the goddamn truth. Mm. So when we're talking, prime example, Jeffrey Epstein right mm. now and this this uh, alleged or accused convicted child abuser, convicted rapist, we're going to say in the media that sex, we're going to say having sex with underage women Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Act Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You, you can't you be an underage... Yeah, you can't be an underage woman. An underage woman is actually a girl. Right. Which under, is right, a right. child. Right. So... 
Which is rape because right. you can't consent. Right. So tell me why the media is doing some type of linguistic li- gymnastics around calling a spade a spade. The same thing with flipping through the thesaurus to find out whatever words you can use other than lie when talking about the shit that comes mm. out of Trump's mouth. So the media. How about all that racially charged, racially oh, charged, racially, tinged, tra- racially. Oh, it's racism. How about just full stop? Just say racism. Just racism and then put a period but you or know, an exclamation you, you point. You know, a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of the moments where those decisions are made, there's a committee of white people making that decision, mm-hmm. right? I, I've been inside those. You've mm-hmm. been inside those. It's a, it's a committee of white people, and they don't want to say racist, right? And sometimes yeah. when it's so obvious, then they say it. But if it's not just blatantly obvious, like he said, Ethiopia is a shithole country. Okay, that's racist. But beyond that, if there's any level of nuance, they want to say Racially tinged, tinged or racially right. Charged. It's not a Rihanna no. foundation shade, <laughs> right? Like racially tinged is not a toner, <laughs> right? It don't make no sense. Fenty beauty, Fenty beauty, for racially tinged <laughs> for the olive skin tone. Thank you so much for listening to <laughs> Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. I'm Danielle Moody Mills, and we'll be back next week to help you get through this crazy election and help the Democrats keep their eyes on the prize, unless. We are dragged off by ice. Or thrown in jail for spouting truth. You know, either way. 